Executive presence. This term, often heard in boardrooms and leadership seminars, is not just about gravitas, articulate communication, and maintaining the right appearance. It's about having the capacity to foster confidence and inspire those around you. Your executive presence determines whether you'll gain access to opportunities. Joining us today is Sylvia Ann Hewlett, an esteemed economist, the CEO of Hewlett Consulting Partners, and an acclaimed author. Her recent publication, Executive Presence 2.0, Leadership in the Age of Inclusion, provides a nuanced exploration of this subject. In today's episode, Sylvia and I will delve into the attributes that are becoming essential in defining executive presence in the current era. Our discussion aims to dissect the evolving dynamics of leadership and the qualities that contribute to effective and inclusive executive presence. Sylvia, thank you so much for joining us. We're glad we could have you on the podcast. Brienne, I'm, I'm very glad to uh, be in this uh, conversation with you today. It's a pleasure. Yes. So first off, I want you to tell us a little bit about your research, especially how the definition of executive presence has evolved as you've been doing this research over many decades. I wrote my first book on executive presence about 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. Uh, The data was collected in uh, 2012. The book was called uh, Executive Presence, uh, just, you know, the simple concept, what the heck it was. And the subtitle was, uh, you know, closing the gap between merit and success. Because there's a ton of well-qualified people out there uh, with great credentials. But what makes you stand out? What makes you be seen by your bosses, your colleagues as leadership material? And so I went out there, collected a lot of data and asked both managers and uh, executives uh, across uh, 34 sectors uh, what they were looking for, you know, in their bench spreads of talent. And they were given all kinds of attributes to choose from. And top of the list was, you know, competence and uh, decisiveness, which came along with forcefulness. They use words like, you know, biting bullets, kicking tires, that kind of thing. (laughs) This was a macho world, even, you know, in the 21st century. Yeah. Uh, Really amazing. And interestingly enough, the women leaders I talked to were very much in agreement. They had bought in to this rather macho sense of how you judge people. Hmm. I then did that same research as the uh, pandemic wound up in 2022, 2023. And I found that the sought after, the most... um, celebrated traits that people were looking for had changed. I mean, some were the same. I mean, confidence is a keeper. I mean, it's not going to fashion for sure. But on that top list, they were choosing out of 25 traits. Inclusivity, authenticity had become huge. And no one cared anymore when you've gone to a Ivy League school, you know, there were all kinds of ways in which you could display your credentials, which were not narrowly defined by, you know, old school leaders. Yeah. And and I found it very refreshing. So I then went out and interviewed 73 executives, looking very particularly at younger leaders, looking particularly at leaders in sectors like um, 
gaming, <laughs> fashion. <laughs> you know, I just didn't stick to finance this time round. You know, I widened the net. And I do feel I caught the vibe of what people felt really worked in the context of career progression in terms of getting you to the next step on the ladder, uh, being seen by your team and, you know, by your bosses as someone who had earned um, the next big opportunity. So comparing the data is very interesting, but so are the tactics, because what I went after in the interviews is, you know, what does this look like tomorrow in the trenches? I, I wasn't just interested in the data. How did they make this happen for themselves? Yeah. In your Harvard Business Review article, which I had found and read and loved, uh, you break down these three different kind of areas that redefine executive presence. So the first area you talk about is gravitas. And what I love is you took the 2012 data and then you put the 2022 data next to it and kind of where things had fallen. Integrity had kind of fallen down a little bit um, from where it was valued before. Not much, but a little bit. Um, confidence stayed the same within gravitas and decisiveness. And like you said, blue chip pedigree, that fell off. That didn't matter as much as inclusiveness did, like you said. And the next area you looked at was communication traits. And these ones really intrigued me. When I, I'm a millennial, when I came into the workforce uh, 14 years ago, yeah, I remember people talked about like the importance of dressing for the job you want, right? Not the job you have. And and how that since kind of been thrown away. People are wearing sweats to work, <laughs> athleisure. But um, in these communication traits, you talk about how before it was superior speaking skills, the command of a room, forcefulness, the use of body language. And some of those have remained, but you have now it's not just the command of the room, but it's also the command of Zoom, right? Your ability to do it online, uh, your ability to listen, to learn, a lot more listening skills in there, ability to read the audience, that still kind of stayed the same, but also went up. So uh, my question for you, as you as you've highlighted these different communication skills, could you share insights on how our audience is a lot of training and development people? What do organizations need to do? to help people develop these communication skills in this rapidly digitizing world and to, you know, enhance executive presence of aspiring leaders? What, what steps should they take and where should they focus? As you described, there are three buckets, right? Um, mm -hmm. Gravitas, how you behave, <laughs> communication skills, uh, how you speak, and appearance, you know, how you look. Uh, and they all feed into you know, helping you convince the world that you're leadership material, you have what it takes to get on that fast track. So what I find is that some of the tactics uh, are profoundly of our age. Take um, Zoom or video conferencing as a whole. They're a mess right now. You know, 77% <laughs> of participants say that they are multitasking, right? Yes. Uh, more than half say at the end of a meeting they don't have a clue what was decided, right? Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we, we know that we waste an enormous amount of time in video meetings. So what I did is kind of uh, codify what a efficient, inclusive video conferencing call should look like. 
and how to lead one. And this is enormously boosting of the confidence, say, of a woman, because the uh, authority and the respect that you communicate, if you can bring up both the efficiency and the inclusiveness, is massive. Because all of a sudden, people are finding these meetings useful. We cannot ignore that anyone leading a team meeting virtually needs to have a brief tech check. Because 33% of meetings are still running into tech snafus, which yeah. lose time. I mean, it yeah. might sound a little Mickey Mouse, but it's not true. You know, you've got to get it off on time with everyone on it. Secondly, uh, you've got to distribute an agenda <laughs> and hopefully some materials at least six hours in advance. Otherwise, postpone the meeting because it's not going to be very productive. You need to introduce any new voice, any new team member, not just with a name and a title and a joke, but you could yeah. say something about what this person has in their background, which makes their presence vital on this call and valuable. And that is a profoundly inclusive thing to do. Finally, ask someone who is on your team to sum up at the end and distribute within five minutes just a, a list of what was decided and what next steps are going to be. And, you know, rotate that role. And you do it on the spot. And now that's an incentive for people to actually, you know, not multitask. <laughs> and it allows them to show their, you know, strut their stuff or, you know, be important. So I feel that it, it sounds so simple. But we are in a world now where... Um, you know, more than two thirds of all meetings, even in a hybrid world, are, are virtual. Make them efficient, make them inclusive, and you're home and dry in terms of what's happening to your internal reputation at your firm. And for those who, who are young, who are wanting to advance in their careers, being able to run a very effective meeting, especially if you have some senior leadership team members who are attending your meeting, doing these type of things is what makes people have more trust in you so that your executive presence shows. Definitely. Right. Those are right. great suggestions. Um, we did, I did mention about gravitas, about communication. The third thing that you talked about was appearance traits. And I did, you know, mention dressing for the job you want, not the job you have. And, and while we may not wear full suits and ties anymore, um, you did find that from 2012 to 2022, a polished look still matters. And I, I agree. I mean, I, you don't put a whole lot of trust in someone. You're like, did you just wake up? Like, are you here yeah. mentally, emotionally? Because physically, you don't yeah. look very great. <laughs> but the physical attractiveness that we used to value so much, I don't see that on the list anymore. And instead, authenticity is there. Yes. Your um, the new normal dress style of dress is what you said, new normal. So <laughs> can you tell us a little bit more about these appearance traits and what really does matter to people now? Right. Uh, it's a great question. And there's a lot of good news uh, <laughs> in terms of uh, the changes here. Because, you know, the uh, whether you're tall. Yes. Uh, right. <laughs> Uh, whether you've got a few extra pounds or not, that does not matter anymore. But you need to show up 
as a very good version of your authentic self. You know, this personal brand thing is enormously powerful. Think of someone like Thesanda um, Duckett, you know, who's the black woman who's newly the CEO of TIAA. She wears her identity on her sleeve, you know, a lot of color, you know, a little Caribbean stuff mixed in with it. But she also, and I want to stress this, she always insists on great lighting. So she, and she does not rely on notes. She never uses more than three PowerPoint slides because on Zoom, just in terms of becoming a magnetic, compelling person, uh, you have to do the eye contact thing. You have to have your face in, you know, uh, uh, really showing up. And you care a lot about the backdrop. So the bad news here is this is a ton of work. But you basically feel very good about it because you're not trying to do the, you know, helmet of lacquered hair and the gray suit and look yeah. uh, like yesterday's model. You're, you're trying to show up in the world as your best self. I like that. So should people not have the the Zoom background that's a ocean and the palm trees and the breeze <laughs> i think not <laughs> remember what yeah yeah remember what steve jobs did because he was such a compelling iconic communicator mm-hmm. he had a totally plain yeah oftentimes you know metallic dark blue or something he was incredibly well lit <laughs> yes. you know think of the stages he wore them, you know, the black mark turtle, you know, incredibly well-cut jeans, you know, uh, kind of thing. And he looked you directly in the eye. Yeah. And he was short, succinct, and totally focused uh, on inspiring you about his new product, you know, or his new message. It was simplified. It was paired back. But it was him. He was totally into Zen Buddhism. And he had his home look this way. In other words, he didn't just dream this up because it looked good on television. It was authentic to his vision of paired back elegance. So you found that confidence and decisiveness, they haven't gone out of style. Those are the most sought after traits that are contributing to this area of gravitas. Right. So at Zanger Folkman, we have observed this significant gap in confidence between male and female leaders in their younger years. So we had about 11,556 respondents to a Zanger Folkman confidence assessment. 59% of the data comes from the U.S. and 41% is from other countries. And looking at this data, two observations became really clear to us. First was that confidence increases as people age. And women have a significantly lower confidence levels until age 50. I sent you over that graph for you to kind of look at because I wanted to get your your take on this. A person's confidence is an internal attribute. Others cannot determine if an individual's confidence is low or high by simply looking at them. Instead, we make attributions of others' confidence based on their behaviors they demonstrate. So have you seen similar struggles with confidence as you've looked at executive presence in women early on in their careers? And how can women show early on more confidence and decisiveness so they they don't get kind of left behind in people looking at their executive presence? 
you're totally right that younger women are less competent than younger young men. Uh, and we're talking professionals at this point. All of my data comes from uh, a population that have college degrees. So we're talking about professionals. We're not talking about the entire workforce. But uh, the thing you need to add in is that young women these days are also very ambitious. Very true. You know, there's practically no difference between perceived ambition. You know, uh, women check that box. They see themselves as very ambitious and want big careers as men. So there's this imbalance. You know, women are both ambitious in these younger years and they lack confidence. So I don't really focus on the inner self. I just give you tactics uh, as a woman that allow you to become very confident. The tactic which I saw very clearly at PIMCO recently is, you know, obviously a big financial firm in Southern California. Uh, I interviewed a, a, a 30, I guess she's 33-year-old um, Chinese-American called Shen. She had been the salesperson of the year. She already had some traction at the company, but she saw herself as really lacking in, um, I guess, how to project gravitas. So uh, we decided that what she needed to do is figure out how to let the world know what her assets were and what her potential might be. She had a new boss who was already mentoring her and she called him up. You know, they were not co-located and said, you know, uh, Calvin, can I have 15 minutes of your time next Friday? Uh, I want to do a 15 minute Zoom because I think that you do not understand fully what I could bring to the table, what I could bring to your team right now. He said, sure, you know, 15 minutes is 15 minutes. And he had 15 minutes for sure. She prepared like crazy. She pulled the camera wide. She thought of, you know, everything she'd done in her life. Um, and then she paired it back to six things. Three things that he knew about kind of vaguely because they were on her resume. And three things that were totally invisible to him. She also pared down to one that she knew could contribute next week to what the team was doing. She practiced like crazy, so she didn't need any notes. And she, you know, did it in front of a mirror. I mean, she put the work in. This was shy, shy woman was so empowered by the idea. She got to tell a story. It was very inclusive. It wasn't him telling her what she should do next. And he got to be super impressed. And this shy woman who... Um, was brought up in a deferential culture, right? She got quite carried away by this because this was stuff she believed in. So this really tweaked her competence and allowed her to um, blossom. You've got to grow competence. I don't think you're born with it. I love your example in um, that woman was really just showcasing her authentic self. Yes, right, who exactly. she was. She wasn't trying to be something else or fit a different mold. It was that right. these are my passions, these are my talents, these are where I'm competent. Yes. And so as we let people know about those things and where we can contribute, where our strengths are, um, that will help build our confidence more than anything. It's a great exactly. example. Lead, lead with your strengths. Any boss, any leader can spare you 15 minutes. Now, at the close of your article in Harvard Business Review, you say executive presence is learnable. You don't have to be some kind of genius to crack the EP code. You must simply act, speak, and appear 
in ways that set you apart as a leader. So any parting advice for our audience on where to start or what are one or two things that you would advise at the aspiring leader to focus on? I think our conversation about confidence shows that you don't have to be, um, you know, born with the competence or obviously jobs, right? You could just be a regular person. You could even be a little bit shy. You've just got to know how to present um, something that is valuable and leisurely and creates a sense of people respect you. People think uh, you're incredibly effective. People think you're incredibly inclusive. So your whole team feels good about you, not just a little piece of your team. And I also think that the liberation of this work is that when it comes to appearance, um, everyone has the capability of showing up as the greatest version of themselves. I mean, most of us are work hard, are high performers, otherwise you wouldn't be reading this kind of stuff, right? It allows all of us to be totally compelling. Well, I've been so inspired by our conversation. I feel like your research really helps the individual realize that executive presence isn't becoming this mold of something that we imagined back in the 90s of uh, this forceful, charismatic dresses in a suit, you know, top dog. But like, it's really about being you and your unique self and your strengths and letting people show it and letting your passion show. So thank you for your research and for joining the podcast today. We really appreciate it. I enjoyed it, Brianne. Thank you. And be sure to pick up Sylvia and Hewitt's book, Executive Presence 2.0, Leadership in the Age of Inclusion. We will include the link to her book and her website in our podcast notes. The 90th Percentile, an unconventional leadership podcast was produced by Zanger Folkman. At Zanger Folkman, we're passionate about empowering leaders and driving organizational success through our innovative leadership development programs, assessments, and coaching products. If you're eager to explore customized leadership training for your organization, feel free to reach out to us at info at or simply click the link in our episode notes for more information. There, you'll also find the links to all the research featured in this episode. Your support has fueled our growth over these past few years, and we're thankful for your recommendations to all of your friends and coworkers. If you haven't yet, a positive review would mean the world to us. You can connect with us on our LinkedIn podcast page or suggest topics to us via info at zfco.com. Thanks again for listening to the 90th percentile.